Moonstruck with Clark and Alyssa. Someday we should like say it with the recording of us so that it's like our voices in in chorus. Oh, that'd be very fun. And then just keep like doubling up, like record it and the next time (laughs) we do that and then it's like 16 Alyssa's and 16 Clark's. Eventually it's just just kind of this like crazy. Slightly demonic. Yeah, yeah. demon thing going on. That's funny. Yeah, I like it. I dig it. (laughs) It gets progressively darker (laughs) with each season. Uh, have you seen those YouTube videos of like the B movie, but every time they say the word B, it speeds up by points. Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's something it's, like that. It's the podcast iteration of that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <sighs> well, we watched a movie. We done did it, Alyssa. We did it. This is the final episode of a very short fourth season. We did it. We did it. <laughs> Some thought we wouldn't because we've done an episode a month for this entire <laughs> shortest series. season longest run time <laughs> riddle me that oops yeah what can you do it's the holidays it's the new years there were some scheduling kerfuffles but that's okay because we're here in the studio right now here and now mm, mm. and boy did i like this movie never let me go by how oh boy oh crap <laughs> i don't have the book in front of me what is it kazuo ishiguro kazuo ishiguro thank you so much Ah, this movie was great. It was released in... Mm, 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 2010? 2011? 2010. Let's 2010. pull up the document. Let's do it. Uh, I didn't write down when it was released. Okay. Yay. I'm blaming this on you, then. But you're going to like this if you haven't looked it up, which I don't think you have. Mm-hmm. This film is directed by Mark Romanek. Okay. Do you know who that is? Uh, no, you put his link here, but I withheld yeah. clicking on it oh, until this good. exact moment. You you read my mind. <laughs> you read... My mind. Oh, look at that Scroll guy. down. Okay. Scroll down Sorry. to that body of work. Oh, one-hour photo. Holy no. cow. Oh. Even farther. Even farther. Static. Keep scrolling. Holy cow. Keep scrolling. Justin Timberlake's filthy video short? Jay-Z's? He's a He's music a video director. Music. He is. Holy. He did 99 Problems. He did Shake It Off. He did. Holy cow. So many. He did Johnny Cash's Hurt. Oh, that was a good one. Did you see that one? I, I couldn't tell you, but I knew oh, that you would like this as soon as I excellent. saw that. So. <laughs> Morrissey. La da da. Oh, that's great. Wow. So, but not not bad music videos. Like, I. I no. I'm not, you know, very literate in, in mu- you know, pop music, but he I did, recognize some of these. He so. did Closer. Oh, wow. He did some very, very big... Wow. He worked with Bowie. Sonic Youth, Madonna. De La Soul. So, did could you tell when you were watching it? I could tell he was good. I didn't... I couldn't tell that he did Jay-Z's 99 Problems. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought that it was, like, inherent to the movie that you understand this. <laughs> Wow. Anyway, but yeah, uh, the the other film that he's best known for is One Hour Photo with Robin Williams, which I never saw because mm. I was 12 when yeah. that came out and my mother was, was very protective of what we watched and I think that that was rated R. Yeah, it? yeah. it was like, not good. He was not a like good person. About a dude like creeping on people because of their photos or whatever. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Something was, like that. One like Hour Photo. Killer. For millennials who might not remember what a one-hour photo is, it was where you took your film to be <laughs> developed into prints 
in, in an, hour. an hour. And that was really cool. It was so fast. We would go to Albertsons <laughs> and then we'd go to dinner and then we'd come back to Albertsons and pick up our, you know, 24 photos. It was great. Yep. Costco Good for times. days, man. Huh. Anyway. Wow. So that's the yeah. director. Mark that's... Romanek. Kind of cool. Way cool. Wow. Not, not necessarily known for his films, but known. Yeah. I seriously know so many of these. And boy, I mean, the casting in this. Oh, so good. <laughs> All star so casting. Good. On, on, in both generations. The, yeah. The kid actors in mm-hmm. this are very good. I didn't recognize Kathy at all. I know that the Ruth character went on to do a bunch of horror movies. She like. I did recognize her. I don't. I, I think I saw her in a preview recently, actually. And I was like, wait a second. I've seen that face. <laughs> yeah. She became quite the vixen. Um, Ella Purnell. Ella Purnell. Yeah. Very big eyes. Yeah, big eyes, big lips, like cartoonish. Oh, she was in Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I never saw that. <laughs> I read mm. it. It was good. Let's just let's just do this for an hour and a half. Huh? That's that's maybe all of the <laughs> all that I have mental capacity for. So <laughs> no, I'm fine. We got this. We got. She this. plays Teen Maleficent in Maleficent. That's cool. <laughs> She just has a very fairy tale aesthetic. Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. And when I saw her as a child, I'm like, huh, this person has a very distinctive look. Like, mm-hmm. who could possibly be her as an adult? And then it's like, oh, Kira Knightley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who, possibly the most expensive actor in this? Probably. Oh, I'd imagine. But like, tiny who? part, really. Like, well, Ru- Ruth was really reduced. And. Yeah. Adult Ruth, I feel like, had less of a part than child Ruth. Yeah, like significantly like less. Like, the, there was a lot of time with the kids, and I feel like we didn't really know Ruth very much yeah, as which an adult. Yeah, weird because there are, like, three main characters, and she's one of them. Yeah, it didn't... So. She felt like an afterthought, which... Yeah. I get that, because in a lot of ways, like, that, that's not... If if you if you want to reduce this to a pivotal two person relationship, Ruth mm-hmm. and Kathy or Ruth and Tommy are not it in this yeah, story. Yeah. But I think the pivotal relationship is the three of them, and so that's I mean in, or- yeah. in order to shorten and simplify, I'm sure they just hacked away at Ruth because her apology for keeping them separate doesn't mean nearly as much no. if you barely see it happen. No, yeah, and yeah. it's. Like, you know it, you see it, and that creepy moment mm. when Kira Knightley comes into, when, when oh. Ruth comes into Kathy's room, and it's, yeah. like, shot, like, um, oh. I, I read something that um, that compared this director's work to The Shining, and it was like, yeah, that moment, <laughs> like The Shining. A little bit Kubrick. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, it was creepy. So creepy. I, I was... She, like, kissed her on the cheek as she was crying. I'm like, oh, this is so creepy. Yeah. It was it was some some deep intimidation there, which you don't really get why Kathy would even bother with taking care of her. Yeah. Later. Yeah. Although to be fair, I don't. I think in this film that she doesn't really become her carer. No, she doesn't. She doesn't at all. She goes to it's... visit her and, or, stays to visit her and then takes her to the boat the next day mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. she and Tommy prance off when she's still alive which i couldn't believe that either it's like well. <laughs> like that's uncomfortable you come back and you tell her like okay we're gonna try to live lives while you die peace out well yeah. 
mean, what, wait for her to die? I don't know. Live your life, man. That's how the book goes. That's that's the Kathy in the book versus the Kathy here, which yeah, very different Kathys. Very different Kathys. The Kathy in the movie, I felt, was a lot more proactive. More um, assertive. More e- assertive. Even though, like, yeah. I, I maybe wouldn't describe her as assertive, but mm-hmm. more assertive. <laughs> more assertive, yeah. And, uh... I couldn't I, I couldn't shake in the back of my head. I'm like, this is the UK Chloe Chloe Grace Moretz. Do you know who that is? Yes. Who is who is Carrie Mulligan? Yeah. Like aesthetically, I'm like, huh, she looks a lot like adult Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean I've I've seen her in so many different things that I just see her and I'm like, Oh, I love you. Everything oh. that you do I love. I've never seen her in anything. All oh. these people except for You watch don't you watch Doctor Who? No, I don't. Oh. One of the is, one she, of, is she the female doctor? No. Oh, that would be so great. She would be so good at it. Hey, maybe someday. Um, Lots of doctors left. The uh, iconic Doctor Who episode of Blink with the weep. Oh, with she the weeping was in angels. Blink. Yeah, she is the main character in Blink. Holy cow! I did not know that. So, and then uh, another film that I love. She was in. She was in Gatsby, which if eh, you, um, eh, but eh. she played Daisy in Gatsby. Oh. And then a film that I love, which is another book to movie adaptation is um um far from the matting crowd hmm. which a uh, thomas hardy book um beautifully shot beautifully told story i love it so much cool comfort film watch it several times a year but anyway not this film That's- anyway <laughs> almost through casting all right and andrew garfield and charlotte ram playing and sally hawkins as the elusive miss lucy yeah okay so so what do you think about um in this there are just the two guardians really that we get Mm -hmm. to know Mm -hmm. miss lucy and miss emily so we Mm. don't have miss geraldine and there were like a couple of other guardians in the book too that Mm. they just got rid of kind of forgot Um, about them anyway um and it was interesting to me that like when we come into the book miss lucy as far as we know has just kind of always been there yeah. Or like, I mean, we get the sense that she's kind Miss of a Emily. new Miss Lucy. Okay. The the younger one. Um, she's maybe not oh, always the been there. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But like, uh, like the book is told so out of order that you kind of get the sense that like she's just a regular part of their lives. She might have been younger. Yeah. But there was certainly no origin of when she joined. Like they don't have a really pinpoint like oh, and then Miss Lucy like before Miss Lucy and after Miss mm-hmm, Lucy. Mm-hmm. Um. And and the film tells it, f- like, the first scene, I think, we are introduced to a new guardian, Miss Lucy. Yeah, after the kids sing their song. Their song. Which... It's a very long song for children. I turned on the uh, subtitles to, because I couldn't really understand what they were singing. Oh, I should have done that. I can't I understand did. anything English children say ever. <laughs> this must have been a very difficult... This, is, this must be a very difficult podcast for you to do. Every time I make you watch any movie, they're all British children. It's, it's <laughs> really trying. It's it's a lot of subtitles. It's a lot of uh, looking up lyrics. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't write down all the lyrics. I just wrote down sort of the general, like, one phrase that sort of captured the whole mood of it, which oh. was, Echoes of Dreamland, Hailsham. And it's, <laughs> it's this, like... Real creepy. <laughs> when when we grow up, we'll remember Hailsham and like a sort of establishing mm. song of like we love this place. It's sort of, sort of a, a school song type thing. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, 
but like we love this place and we'll remember it and when when our lives are tough and we're older and we're far away from this place we'll remember echoes of dreamland hailsham hailsham lives on or something like that something like that last note yeah yeah Yeah. which interesting considering where hailsham goes real creepy (laughs) yeah it's a very foreboding the children singing and another stanley kubrick reference there probably (laughs) yeah foreboding children yeah children singing in unison so creepy i want to talk a little bit about hailsham okay hailsham and set design and it felt bigger and nicer and more accommodating to camera equipment than what I had in my head. <laughs> like, I, I definitely had it. Not in nearly mind. as cramped. Yeah, no one builds rooms that big uh, in old English houses because they're cramming people in and... Yeah. Like, there's some... Very, like, the dormitories were, like, hugely wide and lots of, like... Yeah. ...room to move around. There's a and... lot more privacy. It didn't seem like... It, it definitely didn't convey the idea of... Um, Cramped. Kathy having to like sneak away for privacy. It's like it was weird that Ruth was there because why would anyone be there? You know, the first time that she was caught listening to the tape. Which now that I'm thinking of it, mm-hmm. um, and maybe I missed this, so correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. So she's caught by Madame listening to the tape on her bed, like it, hugging a pillow or something. In the book. Also in the movie. No, no, no. She's caught by Ruth in the movie. It's by Ruth? Yeah, Ruth catches her. Any, either way, she's in, caught. In the, she's caught listening yeah. to this. Mm-hmm. Tommy gives her the tape. Yeah. And she never loses the tape? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm never loses to, the like, tape, never refines the tape. Norfolk is not, there's no refinding. There's no, there's like a little bit of time in like a thrift store. But yeah. like the, the, the thing that the book and the film is named after is never lost and then found again. And the like end note of the whole story of coming to the place where my lost things are found and nope. that like none of that that and whole string i was just like this to me is an unfortunate thing to lose yeah i think it, it felt like maybe, maybe it's splitting hairs but uh. <laughs> no i mean okay so so full disclosure it's been a couple of weeks since Alyssa's watched this movie. And it's been a rough week, this one. So, <laughs> and, and she's on her second cup of tea. We're working through it. We're, <laughs> we're working with what we have here. Yeah, so in the book, she finds the tape, loves the tape, loses the tape, and uh, eventually Tommy finds, their, finds it in Norfolk. But in the movie, Tommy is the one who finds it and initially gives it to her. Because he buys it because he sees that she doesn't buy anything at the market. This whole thing. Everybody's so excited. And he, like, offers her extra buttons and she refuses it. So he goes and he buys her the tape. So, like, that's how the tape comes in. And then, yeah, Ruth catches her in the movie holding a pillow sitting on her bed. So she's not dancing. She's not holding it like a baby. She's holding it like a lover. Like, the whole thing in the book is she thought it was a baby. But in the movie, it very much seemed... Like a lover, and she's yeah, thinking she's, about Tommy. Like she's understanding the Tommy. the actual the intended lyrics. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I think the way that you would have to get around that would be some 
explanatory voiceover or a fight that explicitly talks about what she's under like yeah it's very much an an a, a very clear misunderstanding of the lyrics and you have to explain that if you want the reader or the viewer to get it and i'm i'm not sure how much it really needed or to be in you there you could just have her rocking a baby doll instead of hugging a blanket that may I think have it gone would, a little further <laughs> i mean a little bit but like yeah it, it would have been I don't know. I, I I think I think it gets a little confusing because of the nature of the lyrics. And you you when yeah. you listen and it, when it's just her sitting there and you're just hearing the lyrics, and then you see like her holding a baby. Like that would be a little bit weird. Yeah, no, it, I don't think it would work as well. And but, she did tell us about four times in the book. No, 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 you don't get it. I was thinking of a baby, and she like <laughs> makes sure to say that multiple times, and then she remembers. Imagine back to my the progeny. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, that does feed into the idea that, okay, so Ruth caught her in the movie and just like stood forebodingly. And I forget if she said something or if she just looked at her. Uh, I don't, I think she just looked at her. I think think it was just uncomfortable. It's real uncomfortable. And that feeds into the idea of like, where's Madame this whole movie? (laughs) What happened to her? We see her once and she comes in. And she like kind of winces past the children, and we hear exposition. Which was a great moment. It was her, a great. Her moment. moving by the kids was like, ooh, there's like, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's not a question that there's something wrong with these kids, but she definitely squirmed very well. Yeah, I think and she sold that in a like, I very much do not want to touch you. Yeah. Way. Yeah. And then we got exposition off camera from two instructors saying, oh, she's coming to the gallery to pick up paintings. Which is a uh, an endorsement of the gallery that we've never he- we never heard from adults in the book. That was all child yeah. rumor. All child rumors. And no one ever called it the gallery. Like there's there's the part in the book where they, they talk about like, this is for your gallery. And, and they're like, my gallery? gallery? Oh, you mean the collection that I was taking of your art? Yeah, sure, sure. That, that's kind of a gallery, yeah, I guess. In a way, it's kind of upstairs. In that they're not displayed and no one can come see them. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so it's... Madame's just... It's an just interesting gone. endorsement of of the childhood rumor in yeah. that. It was much more legitimate. Felt like adults were in on it. Those, those adults we never really see or hear from, but they're there. That's fine. Miss Emily's part of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she was. Um... She's the one who's giving us all that exposition. It's great. <laughs> yeah. But Madame, yeah, we see her go. We see her pick up paintings. And that's it. <laughs> that's it for her until the very last part where we see her again. And then she barely even says anything before passing the buck off to Miss uh, Emily. So Madame, much less of a character, uh, which I was kind of a bummer to me because I thought she was very interesting and I thought the allure of Med damn was interesting and i i don't know how they could have worked her in except for of course having her see her holding the doll i guess but um boy i'm trying to put a thread to this i i'm just wondering like <laughs> we're, we're talking about this like the book <laughs> yeah right. it's like we can't talk about it in order <laughs> because the book the film is already in order um <laughs> something uh i, I kind of want to go back to that sale where tommy gets the tape yeah yeah um if we're talking about sets sure I, the first time i saw this film and then again this time around um what really struck me was the thing that we speculated about 
in the book, which was that everything's dingy and they're mm-hmm, getting everything mm-hmm. secondhand, it's really heartbreakingly clear so in the film. Clear. Where it's like dolls that don't have an arm and a leg and like totally tattered stuff right and left and used things. And it's just watching these kids eagerly pick through it mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. they have that scene with the delivery guys who oh. are very gruff and they're like we well, hear it's a bumper crop is it a bumper crop is, yeah. is, is it right and yeah. and the guy's like sure kids whatever it's a bumper crop like oh, i don't i don't have the heart yeah. to break your heart yeah but like it was this is a box bo- of garbage it was two boxes of garbage yeah, yeah. And so the fact that Tommy found that am I I keep saying Tommy. That's right, right? That's right. Okay. Oh, You're right. Jeez. Uh uh the fact that he found an in good shape cassette cassette in the case with the original artwork, pretty good find. <laughs> like, well done. Must have cost him, cost him some buttons. Oh, also we saw some currency. How about that? We saw some actual like You saw the buttons? Yeah, the buttons. Button, button. Who's got so, the button? They look like um the little coins that you use in hopscotch oh Those yeah markers yeah they kind of do i was gonna say like casino chips but not not quite they serve the same function but they definitely look a lot more like hopscotch markers hmm. so yeah hailsham has a very much a boarding school feel to yeah. it that yeah. which is is fine um i think it it feels more established and mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. like this is the way things are and it's not it's it's not some rogue special institution it's just another institution yeah um which is fine cuz when we're seeing that it's from the kids' perspective and that is all that they know and yeah they aren't necessarily treated like you're getting overwhelmingly special treatment yeah this is just life to them and I, mm, they did convey the cottages pretty well, I think. Yes. That felt a lot more accurate. But for the Hailsham thing, it is kind of hard to... A lot of times if a movie wants to present that a place is a little bit run down, it leans really far into it to where now all of the kids would have like scruffy hair and stuff like that. Like it, In order to like really convey that, they'd almost have to get involved at like a costuming level. And and they would have to make the beds like it, I think they'd almost have to go a little bit too far to really sell it to someone who has, hasn't read the book. So I think they kind of went with the boarding school thing because it's like, you know, this is what people will recognize. We'll get caught up with the low budget stuff. Well, let's I not get caught up in the low budget stuff. A couple of things, because I'd, I'd never got the sense in the book that things were legitimately dingy. Yeah. Um, I, we got the sense that it was overpacked. And, like, yeah. the kids were, like, meticulously, like, you were trained to to um, take exceptional care of yourself because your body is your entire function. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, we scruffy the, like, haircut and scruffy looking kids, I think, wouldn't communicate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think simple things like that, that scene when they're all crammed into art class or whatever and like a kid sitting on a desk and like yeah that trying right. to find a seat like something like that would have been really simple so yeah, like yeah let's just really overpack this room with kids but instead it was like pretty nice art room <laughs> and like <laughs> all things pretty considered. decent space for everybody yeah and yeah yeah we're we're raised like 
like the prize pig over here. There's mm-hmm. plenty of room, but extras are expensive, I guess. Even though there's just so many British kids, you can just like pull out a lot of them, teach them the pickpocket, and like nobody yeah, will just notice. Keep all those extras from that first scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, all <laughs> I, those singing ones. I wonder if the director wanted a more spare look because everything feels very sparing. Much like Jay Z's Ninety Nine Problems <laughs> music video. <laughs> he just seems like a more Spartan director. Like everything yeah. is, like he does dingy well when he when we get to the cottages, but. Yeah, but the sparseness is really appreciated in a lot of senses, too. I feel like... like I know where to look. Nothing feels too busy. For for a book that is so much about... <sighs> nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but, but okay, let me rephrase that. I'm for shaking a... my head, which doesn't translate well on audio. <laughs> for a book that is so much about just existing in a space and getting a peek in a few crucial moments, I feel like it did a great job of not over dramatizing though it it felt a bit real it felt kind of like how it feels to get in a car with friends sometimes i don't know like in in my mind memory can either like take things away or add to it but with me especially with me memory tends to take things away so like when i do think back of memories it's very simplified i'm not thinking of everything in the room some people are able to be like you know they're like oh, i remember this leather chair that my mom used to have and they can like place everything in a room in their memory i do not have that i, I have very either. much like it's me and this other person in this white space and i just kind of remember a general gist of an interaction the edges fade out exactly you know? exactly and i feel like the movie did a really good job of kind of portraying that only in the life that they're living where it's like their life is it's missing something what is it missing hard to say but it's missing something it's not as full as it really should be at any given time there should always be something a little bit else going on right but the whole point is nah this is it this is it it's not much but it's all you have and that's kind of what she goes on to say in like the last line of the movie is like (laughs) Does anyone really ever understand what they had or get, you know, I don't know how she phrased it, but anyway, yeah, I very much appreciated that aspect of visual storytelling. I feel like he nailed it. Um, it it's just such a, it's just such a beautiful film. It's so visually beautiful. I mm-hmm. love the color palette. I love the sets. I mean, Font I've, choices. I've, all the wide shots just feel like a, you know, when you're looking at Hailsham, it's like breath of fresh air. And the cottages feel like, yeah, they're run down, but like sort of a magical little cottage in the country. Oh, I'd totally go live there. Yeah, they're beautiful. I'd want some goats, though. <laughs> I'm sure they had goats. I'm sure. Um, They could have. Hmm. I have a haunted it's lamp. Haunted. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like this is one of those movies that totally romanticizes uh, like the British Isles. And because it's like, oh, isn't this nice, like overcast, it's moody, it's romantic. And like, but yet you go somewhere like that and you're like, oh, it's gray. Everything's gray. The world is gray. But this movie felt very. Cat's up there. Yeah, she does that. Sorry. I was like, oh, there she is. So many distractions. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Doing great over here. I, I disagree with that, though. I mm. love 
that weather and like that's one of my favorite parts about edinburgh was like walking through and like almost like those childhood memories where Mm. if if you walk around on a really foggy day like you can only see 10 feet around you yeah and this like like you just become so much more aware of the things that are close to you Hmm. and Hmm. i don't know it's shifting the focus beautiful weather i loved it so much and yeah it can be dreary if it's consistently drizzling Mm -hmm. but part of that is part of that trouble is if you move there you're not prepared for it a lot of the time yeah if you have the raincoat and the umbrella and all that then all that stuff that you don't pack in a suitcase no then yeah it's miserable but if you live there you're equipped i did get to go to a beach in ireland on in weather very similar to when they were out on the boat like to see the boat and i'm like yeah that's pretty cool that whole boat thing man i know we're going way out of order whatever uh this is the film discussion (laughs) nothing's in order and everything's on the table it's all chaos the boat uh in my head they were on some back roads and they had to go you know through the barbed wire fence and they were going into a forest a wooded area like public land in my head so i was thinking like well what would that look like in montana Okay, a lot of trees, a lot of rocks, some moss, some mushrooms, pretty dense forest, and then inexplicably a, a, a boat. And the fact that the boat was there just seems so weird because this is a forest. Why is there a boat in the forest? And it's like, oh, Why because... Why were you thinking it was the forest? <laughs> because they describe trees everywhere and... and, and... It's, it's a beach on the coast. Mm, I thought they described trees. Yeah. On a beach? Trees, and then you get to a marshy area, and then... I guess I was thinking of, like, the marshy area that you would get, like, off of a river, where it's like, yeah, there's some beavers, and there's some trees, but, like... So you're in a forest, but you're close to a river, and somehow it was, like, a river boat that got beached. That's what I had in my head. I made a map. Did you not look at it? I (laughs) guess I looked at it, but my head works the way it works. And that's just, (laughs) you know, they used to send boats down the river all the time with logs and mostly logs, more logs, sometimes coal people, but logs mostly. And uh, I just thought maybe it was one of those that got beached. I... So, so the boat scene is maybe the the most salient one in my memory from the first time that I saw this to mm. to now. Still, mm-hmm. like it's so characteristic of just what the story means, who these characters are, and like you you have Ruth withering away and looking mm-hmm. like she is having mm-hmm. the worst time of her life. Yeah, and you have Kathy looking uncomfortably between these two people, and you have Tommy running at that thing. And in this, in the film, Tommy's Tommy makes it. Like yeah. Kathy's yeah. the one who's pushing to the boat in the book, and the other two who are without vital organs. Yeah, the ones falling behind. Can't push as far. And in this case, Tommy runs at that boat and he makes it on the boat and he climbs on and he explores it. That felt more accurate to me. I loved that scene by the way. It's it made a different point. Mm-hmm. I think both points work. Okay. I don't think yeah. they cancel each other out. I don't think you look at it and go like this is not true to this character that you've created in either scenario. They just create such different, like the fact that in the book they're, they're trudging through swampland that like Kathy's like panting and unable to like yank her boots out of the mud at some point. And she has to say, okay, like we got to stop here. Yeah. 
as they're like 20 feet behind her (laughs) yeah and they're like like, okay that's like to me symbolic of kathy pushing farther than these two who are already donors and and being willing to like go just a little bit farther but ultimately getting defeated by this world and pushing toward this life that they can't have Mm -hmm, in this mm -hmm. boat of an occupation in a simple mundane life and we can't even get there and we both give up and i've pushed farther than all of us but i've still failed too Hmm. whereas in the movie you have you know tommy who's who's wants to interact with this life and sort of plays captain for a couple yeah. of minutes which yeah. i think is uh, a more heartbreaking moment than in the move than in the book yeah it's that like seeing him sort of in this with this childlike joy explore and sort of pretend like he's driving the ship yeah. and yeah. have to hop down and come back and i don't know there's this sort of faint sadness to yeah. it because i mean he's clutching at his side you know he gets there and he has to like cough and hold his it's like oh man he pushed <laughs> himself hard to get yeah. on that boat yeah and and it doesn't really make a ton of sense except for the fact that like ruth doesn't want to get to the boat no no that it there's no other reason that those two, that that kathy and ruth didn't get to the boat yeah other than Ruth was sitting and she was staying there and she was going to be grumpy. And Ruth doesn't want to touch that, which yeah. I, I think is symbolic of something different of, you know, Ruth gives up on her third or second, third donation. Yeah. Third. And, and, and Tommy it, pushes through to the bitter end. Yeah. And, and it really nails in the fact that Ruth was not there for the boat. <laughs> she mm-hmm. was never there for the boat. Oh, yeah. Where in the book... The boat was still just a tool to get she them was, in the same place. She but was still she was interested. pretty interested in the boat in the yeah. book. Yeah. Whereas in this, nope, nope. She was there for one purpose and one purpose only. Uh which is fine. It's a movie. You gotta get things done, you know? You only and have so much room time. She's props, savage. Props to Kira Knightley in mm. that in that whole journey because yeah. she is her anxiety is very real and her fear is very real when yeah. they get to that gate. She developed an underbite just for this movie. I swear. <laughs> her jaw is all over the place. Oh god. Did you notice that? I she literally is, didn't recognize her for the first like 10 minutes. I'm like She is a beautiful woman, but she has a very strange looking face like in in the right light and the right like well with this makeup and everything yeah it's yeah she i mean like i've seen her in pirates like i i I know what she's capable of but yeah uh she she has a very harsh look in this film which is perfect i think and i mean yeah it's they went far beyond just like what she looks like when she wakes up with no makeup it's like no 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 she's actually looks like a bit desiccated no that's word for strawberries what what what's the word i'm thinking of uh emaciated a little bit yeah a little skeletor uh but let's okay can we talk about andrew garfield all day every day all day love him dream on every single thing that he's in (laughs) i love best spider-man i'll throw it down whoa better than the uh, snoo guy what's the tom holland tom holland is a very good spider-man he's very good not as good as andrew garfield okay I really liked what they did with that Spider-Man run. Uh, Andrew Garfield stole the show. Oh, he's so good. 100%. Excellent, excellent Tommy. I love that shaving his head 
aged him dramatically. Mm -hmm. Just the specific haircut that they used and the specific outfit changes where they put him in a lot more like dad type gear. It worked so well for the aging and the gaunt process and just how he held himself. Like I seriously, I would, if I didn't know more about Andre Garfield, I would have told you he was a character actor. Just the way that he handled this role was incredible. He has this incredible talent for how he carries himself. And like you you see it in Spider-Man too, where like he's a 32 year old man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Playing a 17 year old kid and you believe it. Which is like it's so hard. (laughs) There's such meticulous care given to how he carries himself that, uh, which is how it works that he can play. Yeah. Kind of a dopey, 18 year old and then you know 26 or 27 year old guy who's losing vital organs yeah just the way he he held his jaw and and how he would go slack jaw at certain points it's literally it's it's what i had my head it really is and i mean i think i I pictured tommy with a bit more like sandy blonde hair Mm -hmm. i i think he might be described that way in the book yeah but I never had a doubt. Like, man, he did a great job. I I think, especially with being unaware of social situations and conveying that, and just like the quick little asides to Ruth, where she is like saying something to Chrissy and Rodney, and he's just like, "No, you didn't." And it's just like, yeah, all those little things where I'm like, like, "I buy I'm it. totally not reading this social situation. Like, that's not true. I'm yeah. very confused." And and there was like a noticeable moment where like he goes to madame and he shows her his drawings and there's like a good like 10 seconds where they're like do do, do you get it <laughs> and he's just like sitting there and you can just see his mind like all the gears turning and everyone's just kind of waiting <laughs> waiting and everybody's and kinda... like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well we got it yeah i got it I'll, I'll explain it to him in the car <laughs> but everybody was like literally just watching tommy and being like <sighs> Well, because Tommy's the explosive one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Kathy's not gonna do anything, although she is the one who's more capable in that moment. But yeah, weird how Kathy is the one character who actually has power and yet does nothing. (laughs) Really speaks to her character. Uh, um... So uh, there's one thing that I wish I could have seen Andrew Garfield do. Okay. That they didn't. They didn't write it this way. Hmm. Which makes me sad, which is... Take off his shirt? Sorry, go on. <laughs> Ruth's, Ruth's apology. Oh, yeah. And, and so her apology is sort of explosive, and I, I'm not entirely sure it's as earned as it is in the book. I mean, she essentially says, I need you to forgive me. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd like I'd like you to forgive me, I think uh, is what she said. Oh, okay. Um, but the the thing that she does is like, Kathy doesn't buy in in the book and it takes a long time for her to buy in to this suggestion of you guys should apply for a deferral mm. because it was always you yeah and i've stood in the way and she hands like i, I mentioned this earlier is one of my favorite quotes of she hands tommy this this address on a piece of paper and he says thanks ruth like it's yeah. she just handed him yeah. a chocolate bar and nice. i just think he would have done so well at that like <laughs> He would have sold that confusing interaction of like, we're having a heavy conversation, but you just gave me something. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I'm really confused. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. There was something that that lack of pushback from Kathy mm-hmm. in that moment. They I, both just kind of stare at her and then it's like, and of, next scene. <laughs> this empty like, okay, like, I guess. 
Uh, like we're gonna stare this thing in the face that we've been trying to pretend isn't real that Kat- you have this crazy psychological hold over us kathy's just like the natalie dawn of of actresses where she's just like really good at being just doe-eyed and and looking at things that's kind of her thing man she looks at things that's that's a bit carrie mulligan too she's, is it i mean not she's not a bit always Molly Ringwald like that <laughs> not always she can be a pretty fierce character mm. but mm. um yeah, she 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 does the sort of ingenue. Ingenue. Well, well, let's talk about loving Andrew Garfield. Let's talk about the whole dynamic between Kathy and Tommy and how I felt. Okay, I, I'm leading the witness here, but man, when they were kids, they spent an awful lot of time. Oh looking man, at each they other, were yeah, looking at each other. They were into each other. each other constantly, big time. I'm like director, hey, hey, buddy, I get it. Like I, I'm not super comfortable shipping ten year olds. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, bro, like it's fine. They can like each other, chill. Like, but yeah, is it? It is very sweet. Like young, young Kathy did a good job, and young Tommy did a good job of of looking out for each other. Yeah, they really. It was sweet. It was sweet, and. And while we rarely got to see interactions with the other students, it almost always happened like off camera. Like, yeah, they were teasing Tommy and we kind of saw that. But like it was so condensed. Um, But we still felt the idea that Kathy and Tommy being friends wasn't cool. It really wasn't like I mean that it definitely wasn't gaining them any popularity or anything like they were they were more her than him, I guess. But. I don't know. It was sweet, and and or where that... she went in and asked and snooped on. Oh my gosh, no nosy little girl! <laughs> but like, she owned up I, to it. But I, the thing that I didn't quite get was okay. So we're talking about her going into Miss Lucy's office mm-hmm. and saying, um, "What did you tell Tommy?" Yeah, because she had been watching Miss Lucy talk to Tommy after his explosion, and he hits Kathy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and she just sort of watches that on the sidelines, and she goes and she's like, "So what? What? What was that all about? What did you tell him?" And Miss Lucy says that it doesn't matter. Like maybe he shouldn't worry about yeah. all the things. And and I think the movie showed it did a very good job of showing why that matters. Because really, in the book, it's like, I, I guess I didn't really realize how... So, like, the whole part of why they kept this idea that matters is because it instills the idea of, like, hope, and you're doing things for something, and it's all towards this greater purpose. And to have that taken away is kind of heartbreaking. To have someone say, eh, it doesn't really matter, then you'd think Kathy would be like, wait, I've been trying really hard, and I felt really good about the work that I'm doing and and now you're saying it doesn't matter like it it felt like she was more heartbroken in the movie i feel like really? it conveyed that better yeah i didn't pick up on that and hmm. may, maybe it was just not as astute of a second watch but it to me i think i was still just kind of reeling from like what a nosy little girl like <laughs> like you're, was very nosy. you're very ballsy to go in and just ask the teacher what were you telling tommy and she didn't um, lie about it either because tommy's like how do you know that and she's like oh, i'm nosy <laughs> i'm like yeah well um so wrong. that that was what i was really fixated on in that moment and i was thinking like i'm surprised that I, I guess I didn't pick up on that. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, to me, it it felt 
reassuring the same way that those words would be reassuring to Tommy. And maybe hmm. that's because I'm bringing what I know of the book into it that yeah. like that was such yeah. a freedom for him yeah to not feel shame for not being an excellent artist yeah um so i guess i i did not pick up on yeah watch on her reaction to that at all yeah watch it next time she, i will she responds very well to that and she does a great job of of being a little bit like wait what and like taking it personally instead of yeah i think she did a great job with that and i do love the payoff of that i love that like Tommy was able to say, well, yeah, she said that, but look what happened to her. <laughs> like I loved that take on it. That was, yeah. So that Miss Lucy doesn't disappear. Nope. She in, gets fired in, in the, well, she doesn't disappear oh, sorry, in sorry. the book at all. No, 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 no. She doesn't. It's, which is curious to me. Hmm. I think um, the, the thing that, I, and this this might be jumping no it's not um the thing that maybe disappointed me the most in this film or was so surprised most surprising to me is m when miss lucy sits down and, and she talks to the class and says you've been told and not told this is your future mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's eerie and quiet but uh, that happens um when in the book when they're 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 they're, they're rained out of mm -hmm, their football mm -hmm. pitch and and she sees an opportunity yeah and it feels almost clandestine that mm -hmm, i'm, I'm mm -hmm. telling you this now i'm like there someone said the wrong thing at exactly the wrong place to just i snapped and i have to tell you yep, i cannot yep. let it go on any farther yep Whereas in the film, it felt very calculated and like it was a lesson plan. Yeah, it, it <laughs> like, was it was the like uncomfortable sex ed for fifth graders where yeah, like, yeah, I that now is the time that I tell you this thing. <laughs> Surely you understand at this age. <laughs> yes, we're going to do that. And mm. it's and, and it has that kind of awkwardness to it where no one in the room wants to say anything else. And they like, yeah, they showed a few shots of like medium shots of kids responding like, to it and they're like crestfallen okay. faces <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, and so that to me is is like that's when she should have been booted i would have preferred her to do it differently but that is why she got fired for that, that speech that, yeah it's a, because they're essentially like yeah she's not fitting in here because she says all these things i i think they definitely fired her because of that yeah you're, in the movie. i think you're right it's been too long since i've watched this film two weeks hmm. is too long um but I, it just i i just didn't really get the sense that i i, I guess like the the miss lucy disappearing it definitely brought an ominous tone mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was already pretty well cast as an ominous film especially when she was poking around asking about the fence and then they she found out the stories of the fence and how oh people die that and she die if they go out there and stuff and she's like where did you hear that like she felt a little bit like the the conduit for the fans she, yeah she, she yeah. felt like the audience in the film and i didn't really appreciate that to be yeah, honest where I, it's like if i was here this is what i would do i would just tell them <laughs> like i wanted uh, yeah it was it, it was telling rather than showing mm -hmm, and i wanted mm -hmm. the kids to like i really liked the scene 
of and it it was it was sort of the low energy version of Kathy and Ruth playing with the horses mm-hmm. where which, they're just laying down they're and laying they down the and toys. they have toy horses yeah. but I still really pretty much liked that scene and I, I wanted it. that version of like some kid talking like telling the ghost story of someone over the edge not someone matter of factly telling an adult this mm-hmm. is why we're afraid of the fence and, and they even said like the classic like exposition line well didn't you know that which is essentially like as you know bob <laughs> yeah like i really liked that they introduced it by yeah, yeah. someone hit a ball over the fence and everyone and just gave like, up yeah yeah like that's fine and then cut instead to that night kids like in their beds mm-hmm. in the dark telling the ghost story yeah that would have been good i like that do that instead of miss lucy innocently being like i don't understand miss lucy could have busted in on him too and been like uh back to bed everybody and then she'd be like what story was that if they really wanted to get i don't her. think she needed it i think yeah. i think it was i think they were trying to make her look like she really didn't fit in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which i understand the need to do that but i think that there were less exposition ways to do it you want to know my favorite part about that whole uh fence scene the gate was open yeah i mean there, there's that which there was it, nothing it, actually wonderful detail of like we're and i mean I, I think there is some benefit to the kids saying pretty clearly like yeah we we don't go over the fence yeah because it's and and but it's, and but Lucy it's not, not over. understanding it's, it's it through the fence. Well, like the gate's open, they could just walk. There's no like, it's it's not. I mean, the whole point of a fence is it's kind of annoying to get over. So like, you don't go through the effort of getting over it because it's like a clear distinction between here and there is now you're over this thing. But like, there is just a gate. They could have just walked past the fence like but even that was enough that nope nope you don't do that i think i think there is a little benefit to miss lucy clearly not understanding it which is Mm -hmm. that like if we only ever get it filtered through the kids then there's a chance in this weird alternate reality that they're they're right yeah that's so like we we do sort of need some sort of like we we would benefit from some sort of adult perspective of like clearly like that was that was a ghost story. Yeah. But how great would it have been to see Ruth's psychological control over all these girls telling <laughs> this story? Okay, given the first 20 minutes of this movie, this could have turned into a horror movie quite easily. Oh, easily. Easily. Look at Especially, all the creepy children. <laughs> yeah, all and like starting with like Ruth movie. watching her sing Never Let Me Go, like That's all. Blo- it's After it's like that start. that um image pulled it might be from the shining i don't know what horror movie where it's just like a person dead and like blood all over the walls and everything and then people just put it on the internet and just say caption this oh (laughs) it's uh, like that comes next yeah i think that's from american psycho oh that's probably right um and it could be a horror movie because it has doran hall gleason in it as well domnall i think domnall gleason he's a very interesting like just a nice guy character and it's nice to see him play just a nice guy yeah i did see that sneer come in when they were talking in the diner and um, and and they were kind of grilling them about the whole deferral thing and it, the conversation wasn't going his way, put a little bit of a sneer on that face. And I'm like, there it is. Well, he's, yeah, he's there it is, desperate. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that desperation is very clear in that. And it's, 
let's talk about that scene because I really like that scene. That was my favorite scene. If we're gonna, if if we, if we picked favorite scenes, if we that'd picked be favorite it. scenes, that would one hundred percent be my favorite scene. It's it's up there for me. I love the cinematography. Mm-hmm. I love, I I love the comedy of like. <laughs> fish chips and a coke fish chips and a coke fish chips and a coke yeah and the payoff of five cokes please (laughs) i guess we'll do that (laughs) and the server is just like yeah i love that we saw that um that discomfort and mm -hmm. like because there's not really much evidence before then that they have no idea how to interact with the world but especially because they came in with this confidence of like yeah i totally know how to interact with the world and he's like no you don't and just like, well, I've been taking classes for a long time. And so it's like, like no, you haven't. <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> it's like, so it's, it's just like leading up to this. And, and it pays off so well in a way that I wish the book had, to and, be honest. And then when it's just sets on those three, when they're asking about the deferrals, and it's like, we go from uncomfortable new world to suddenly like, we very much know where we stand on this. Yeah. Which is, that's not a thing. And I think... In the book, they tried to really soften the blow a bit more. But in the movie, they were so caught off guard. Ruth talks around it. She's like, well, she says that she's heard it and and is just really vague about it. Which softens the blow. But in the movie, they just stare. That's not real. Yeah. And it's really sad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it gives the whole Norfolk trip a very different tone. Yeah. Yeah, especially because they're going there just to see the possible, which was a very small part of Norfolk. Like, it, it wasn't the whole skeleton that Norfolk was built upon like and it was like, in the book. let's chase this person through the town. Like, that's... Um, that's how we got to experience the town is through following this person. And I, I'm going to jump, and, and maybe we're not ready for this, but I want to do it anyway because we're here. Oh, we're there. To... Yeah. This, uh, this, I think, is, is my most disappointing change which is the the completely different argument of they look in the window and they think like yeah totally that woman could be ruth and they all agree yeah they all agree and they wait and they chase her through the town and it takes like hearing her and being in the same gallery as her for them to realize that's not ruth which yeah. is a very different thing from she turns around and they look at her and like, oh, well, uh, clearly yeah. that actress is not the same actress as Kira Knightley. So, yeah, that's not the same person. Like, yeah. There's no doubt. There's no there's none of the uh, the weight of the realization. Not that I'm not modeled after that woman, but that life will never be my life. Yeah. Yeah. It, it rings it was... differently. It still rings pretty sad and pretty dark and maybe maybe we don't need that. But and we, and we get a pretty strong view of I won't live a full human life from Tommy in the boat. I think yeah. we, we get that yeah. that symbolism later there, but I still miss it. But and then we don't have the whole hours with Tommy. Yeah, no hour with Tommy, no real chance to show that in their adulthood, they're still in love. We don't really see, we, we, we do see one scene where they're kind of buddy-buddy. What was that? They, they sit on the dock and they talk sort of sadly. Yeah. Um, but instead of the the time in Norfolk, they have seemingly regular walks at the cottages. Yeah, yeah. Where like the scenes that take place 
um, in like the barn in in the cottages just took place in his our walks yeah. instead or just in his apartment where he showed her the drawings or where he was working on his drawings and then he closed the book when she came in uh that's when we first see him drawing yeah but i love the walk because he's like where are you going <laughs> and then he's like you want he's like, actually said oh that like, probably means that you want to go alone right yeah and then you see him walking together and yeah. it's like that's pretty I cute. I ship it. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Man, Arf- Andrew Garfield is so good in this. So good. It's, and their chemistry is really good. It is. It's, it's a really she quiet... She looks at him. He looks at her. They look at it, each other. It's really sweet. very clearly notice each other, which is the, like, how to- you know Tommy picks the tape out for her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. that takes some high-level noticing to get a sense of like this person would like this and, and also they convey ruth as a lot less of that because she is so ignorant to his needs and just him in general to where it's like even their sex was just awkward yeah he was just it's... like clearly not into it and she's <laughs> just like doesn't care just kept doing her thing and like pushed his face aside i'm like wow she's that's... like high level sociopath yeah i'm like dude at that point like get a toy but i guess they don't really have access to that but um it's like if that's literally all he is to you is just like something to use whenever you want to even if he's not into it that's really sad there are plenty of ways to change society and one of them is through taking things back <laughs> and destroying things. And I'm not here to advocate terrorism, but maybe blow up a bunch of buildings, okay? Uh, <laughs> empty buildings, no one's in them, purely property, blow them up. Demonstrate your power. <laughs> I mean, really, it, and like what, again, not advocating this at all. <laughs> But, like, and we're in this universe. Can you imagine what would happen if a clinic of 50 donators just committed mass suicide and just took all those organs off the market? What kind of chaos would ensue from that? Like, they could disrupt things on a massive level if enough people got to talking. Okay, I'm not ar- I'm not arguing against that, but I'm going to drop a little detail mm-hmm. that will complicate that okay which is there's something in the film that is not present in the book and that's the armbands that they yeah, use to check the into everything there like we, we were talking in the in our discussion of the book that like people could disappear and yeah. no one would know like yeah. they are not well minded they are not monitored super well they're monitored very well in the books yeah and they conveyed enough times that it is i did appreciate that because i felt like that like, is... There's a lot of autonomy here, and it raises the question of why does no one run away? Yeah. Which, uh, again, on the lines of, of the argument that Kazuo Ishiguro wanted to make of, you know, let's just take a really close look at people who just consent to yeah. really terrible situations. Mm-hmm. And they could walk away, and they choose not to. And we get that with the fence in, in when they're kids, but we don't see a ton of, like, I, I think that ar- armband complicates that argument of these people just willingly let the the world yeah know, raise them for parts. Yeah. I would uh, this is why I need more stories in this universe. I want a version of this universe where we have people like Kathy that have seen the other side and been exposed to the world and they want to end it and they like 
discreetly distribute cyanide pills that people take right before their first donation and like render themselves useless like you know slice the nose to spite the face where it's like you want to take my organs too bad you get nothing you get nothing (laughs) my whole life and you raising me you get nothing from it i do like uh that they showed that they took corneas because i mentioned that and and we uh, there, were talking there was about, like, like the one uh, kathy's donor who who has had a patch over her Hannah, eye. yeah yeah who was really sweet loved her character wish she didn't die right away <laughs> so but, sad that yeah. like she she brought her the cookies that she wanted and mm-hmm. she told her like when you're yeah, done you can't you, yeah you can't eat them now because you're going in for your operation but they'll be here for you and you're out mm. that was that was a very very well done scene mm-hmm mm-hmm and just how like they told her and then she like had to gain her composure and be like, Ugh, paperwork, <laughs> paperwork, let's sign some paperwork. That was a great Kathy moment. But yeah. Uh, I forgot about that scene. I really like that scene. That was a good scene. That was a very good scene. Um, the thing that I found very confusing was it's Tommy. Kathy watches Tommy complete, which we don't see in the book. They're they're not together when he completes. Mm-hmm. But she watches it happen, and rather than continue pulling the organs apart and getting them ready, they just shut everything shut off. Well it's like it. just because he's dead doesn't mean the parts aren't like I'm I confused. The same thing. I'm, I'm like, what is happening right now? What? I'm sure there's still like what about the skin? All of that skin could be grafted. People still get burned. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I'm like, guys, get the ice buckets. Like, like it's time. Why, why is it go. not all hands on deck for this? Yeah. And I mean it, it was it was kind of a nice visually symbolic moment of like turning the light out, his yeah. lights are gone, but it did not work for me the it, way that I wanted to see the machine pick up and like really start dismantling things. Though I think the while reason the they... flat line goes, like go ahead and turn off the machine that's monitoring his heartbeat. Yeah. Like turn those things off and now okay, now we're going in. No, I think that was done very much on purpose because in my mind, what it conveyed and what I thought at the time is he died. And okay, if you were to watch Grey's Anatomy, if you were to watch ER, if you were to watch any show, when someone flatlines you get all the people Everybody rushing fights. in. Everybody yeah. fights. And this, he flatlines, and they're like, eh. They literally are just like, okay, I guess let's go. And they're probably going to just, like, grab, like, literally grab the ice buckets. But, like, don't you have that on hand for your fourth donation? Like, you know that's happening. That yeah. is the goal. But if they had a bunch of people rush up as soon as he flatlined, it would look like they cared. And See, it like, would look like it, like it would look like they were trying to do something about it. Unless they explicitly showed, like, yeah, he's dead. Harvest his organs. Like, it would look way too much like they were trying to resuscitate him. I think there's a way to do it, which is you have that same flat line and you have someone turn the machine off. And then just keep cutting. And keep going. Oh, like, that'd be brutal. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. yeah. Because that's The person like, just looks over and just flicks it off and he's like, scalpel. <laughs> and and Jeez. and Kathy turns away. Oh, like, yeah. That'd be rough. Oh, that would have been good. I don't know. Perhaps that's, I should be a director. That's and maybe I can make most of my money directing Taylor Swift maybe. and Jay-Z. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Get some numbers for me. Jay-Z. <laughs> I don't go for No long. interest in T-Swift? <laughs> yeah. No, she's very talented. Um, anyway, yeah, that would have been... That also would have been 
a slightly different movie. <laughs> like, well, I, I just... It would have made society the enemy, whereas this movie very much failed to do that, in my opinion. But it would have conveyed that. If that was the message they were going for, where this whole uncaring world is the enemy, that would have been an amazing scene. But they chose not to go in that direction because it was just too much to take on. It's way easier to just show like. It's a bit of an unwieldy message. And they, I mean, they kind of set it up, though, in the beginning when they give you two paragraphs of like, this is the world. We're not going to bother building it. We're just going to tell you about it. (laughs) (laughs) Always off to a good start when you have to read two paragraphs to get into it. Right, Star Wars? Go on. Uh don't you dare attack those pre-roll ads. No, I love it. it oh, makes my me happy. gosh. It makes me happy every single time. I gobble it up. I love it. Nothing has made my heart happier than when I was sitting in The Force Awakens and I realized as as the pre-scroll started, and I was like, this is the first and only time I will ever read these for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's your last first day of school. This is a – yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, it was like <laughs> – Oh, so exhilarating. It was great. So don't you dare. No, no, no. I love it. It's great. (laughs) We hinted at this, but let's talk about the best change between the book and the movie. Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. Season four of Wordstruck. So your perhaps least favorite part is one of my favorite parts, which is Uh I like how... uh, I mean, there are a lot of things that I really like about it. But as far as best changes go, mm-hmm. in the film, we get two paragraphs at the beginning saying, this is the state of things. Okay. And yeah. I liked how it went farther than the book did, which is, this is when, this point in time, like 1952, I think, mm-hmm. is when there was this incredible breakthrough in medical science. And now, in 1967, people have gotten to... 100 year lifespan on average yeah yeah this is what this incredible breakthrough has done and it doesn't tell you what the breakthrough is but it shows you like not like we still have a lot of questions in the book of like okay we know that you've cured cancer but like but there's still a lot of people in wheelchairs like there's, there's still people. I, I still have questions yeah, about like yeah. what is the actual overall health of the world what yeah. is the benefit of this thing is there any at all or is it we're now doing this horrible thing and we think that yeah there's all this benefit but there are all these other downsides that make it sort of not much of a net yeah improvement the those two paragraphs at the beginning show me like this is what it's gained us now i'm going to show you a two hour long movie of how we've lost hmm and it, yeah it just it answers a question that i never really felt i i got a satisfying answer for in the book yeah and i appreciated that especially in the sense that i mean it again like you tell people that they have to die at 70 i'm not going to you go tell them and it's like yeah but you're directly taking those years from someone else but it also does an interesting thing when you have a world where the average lifespan is 100 years Mm mm-hmm change is going to be a lot harder to push through quickly because you're going to have more people who resist for longer periods of time. Oh, can you imagine if the boomers were supposed to live till a hundred? It's, I mean, <laughs> no yeah, offense, that, that, no offense are, any boomer listener, but there, there are, are a lot, lot of, of you conservatives and they, yeah. they characteristically resist change. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so it makes it a lot harder when you have a much larger population of elderly people yeah. for younger groups to come in and propose change and for that to be accepted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you have to be very loud about it. it all, so that also reinforces you have all of these young people that you're killing off. Mm-hmm, yeah, you mm-hmm. cloned them, but you probably have a significant young people population because you are cloning them. Yeah. And you're farming them. Yeah. And those people don't have the vote and they, you know, if they wanted to push change through, they're also up against a massive population of older people that we don't have. We don't know. We don't know what that yep. even looks like. Yep. And those people, I'm sure the propaganda has been real strong of like those people will never get a voice because the old people will be like, yeah, you're not human. Like they're just yeah. never going to have their voices heard because the propaganda is so strong of of it's, what these things are i wonder i mean that there's there have been a couple of studies on on how malleable our opinions are as we age mm-hmm. the longer you live a lot for a lot of people it, it's just you get harder and harder to change your opinion that's why i'm gonna do crosswords every day i'm gonna do mensa and i'm just gonna die at 40 <laughs> good times good times high, high aspirations there so best change i i agree with that um i like that a lot uh though i do also appreciate just the storytelling method yes they do tell us right from the get-go like a broad overview but for the most part they just tell things in the order that it happened and there's i never felt (laughs) pulled back and forth i just didn't i felt like i knew where i was and when i was at all times whereas the book kind of just pulled me around and maybe and and again, I've said this uh, maybe not enough times, but let me reiterate. This book is a good book, but I'm bad at reading this type of book. <laughs> so much of it has to do with me and how I do things and how I, what I expect from books, especially when I went in thinking that it was going to be a little more science fiction, thinking that there was going to be a payoff, thinking that the plot was really going to like lead up to something and then it led up to life just kind of going on. And and I think, so this book, it it's mostly my fault that I didn't enjoy the book as much as it. I'm just saying I that. think that's usually the case when people don't enjoy books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was mostly me. But I, I really did appreciate the way that the movie told the story. It made it so much e- easier to, like, care about people and to not be frustrated with Kathy. Because the whole time I'm reading the book, I'm like, I don't really like Kathy. She's just not not much there. Don't really like her. She doesn't seem that much better than Ruth. She just seems less powerful and assertive than Ruth. But given the power, she'd probably act about the same way. I didn't feel that way in the movie. I felt she was much more likable in the movie. Uh, Tommy was just so spot on. Even the way he ran with his arms straight towards the boat. <laughs> like, Oh, it was so perfect. Uh, so I love the linear storytelling. Um, I also loved getting that glimpse, like in the diner scene, of of what a donor would look like to someone from the outside world. And, and how even just walking up to the office building and cupping their hands to the glass of the office building, mm-hmm. most people by the age of 26 know that you just don't do that yeah it was it was <laughs> like, such an uncomfortable scene it was such a kid thing to do and it would make a lot more sense if they were kids but they were like adults it was kira knightley <laughs> like oh hi sweetie 
there's a cat up above. So I, I loved that we got to see, okay, what would these people actually look like in the real world? And how obvious would it be that there's something different about them? The answer, very obvious. <laughs> Though uh, I feel like everyone probably turns a blind eye to that too. Um, and that leads us to worst changes. Uh, I'll let you lead again. Um, which I, I've actually already mentioned, um, which was, uh, interestingly, one of your favorite scenes of, of, you know, them leaning against the glass and looking at Ruth's possible, just how that the rest of that scene played out Yeah. of, of there being no question like that that whole trip to Norfolk after the diner scene mm-hmm. everything after it was just such a different tone because we don't have the lost tape that they then find we don't have that time with Tommy and we don't like like that time in the book is the brightest time in the book for me that was like it is my favorite moment the golden the hour, hour. yeah and it's you know i i look on it and i get like i think about it and i just get like this warm fuzzy feeling of like that is what a perfect memory is and and we don't really get to see that at all in this mm-hmm. norfolk trip there's no real bright spot there's like commiserating on a dock yeah of like we're gonna be mutually sad yeah together and at least like same. we're gonna support each other in our mutual sadness and then there's the other like much less ambiguity with Ruth's possible that it it just communicates a different message. Mm-hmm. And it made the payoff of her saying that her possible was probably a, a sex worker because look in the gutter. That's yeah. who we're modeled after. Like it very much became less. The stakes were lowered on the whole possible thing. So when the so when it was revealed that she was looking for her possible, it just didn't hit as hard. Because it's like, I don't know. Yeah, possibles just weren't given as much weight, I guess. Okay, so my worst change would probably... I do agree, Norfolk. That, that's it's, a huge bummer. Because, it's a sad loss. Yeah, and even just the idea of that's where you go to find things. There's just so many broad stroke narratives in the book that were just completely left out. Which... You know, maybe we didn't need them because, I mean, we still got through this whole film and, and there's there's enough room for the actors to breathe. And there were enough stakes that when Tommy freaked out, it, he had earned it. Mm-hmm. And it was a good freak out. Ooh. It's really hard. Oh, to we didn't even talk about out. the scream. No, it was. Oh, man. There was one scream where I'm like, you only get like three takes of that a day before you are on vocal rest, my friend. Because, yeah, he let one go where I'm like, ow, that hurts. That is the sound of vocal cords not being happy so i'm gonna say a thing for the listener that's not a thing for you want me to take my headphones off i mean no it's fine you can listen to it because i'm gonna say it in a in a in a cryptic way okay which is there is a film that we're all thinking about now okay where where suddenly you don't hear a scream (laughs) and this film doesn't do that and it's just like yes yes Okay. The fact that you that you can hear the scream. There's there's this technique that you can do, which is cut out the sound and still show the film. Oh yeah, and you just see the person going like, ah. like you see you see the scream, but you don't hear the scream, and mm, it's like you're all thinking of it. Disappointing. Yeah. Why do that? And this this film does 
it, it shows you the benefit of like, no, just put me in that moment. Yeah. That moment is excruciating. Ugh. Don't separate me from it. And she just like kind of side sling kangaroo pouches onto him and just like <laughs> just holds on, man. And just like weighs him down like so many blankets. So yeah. your your issue in the book was that she doesn't lean in with him she doesn't scream with him like she, she yeah, comforts yeah. him and you want you wanted her to to lose it too did you appreciate her actions more in film form uh, let me let me simplify this i cared about kathy in the movie okay not in the book kathy so, sucked in the book i didn't so like kathy in the book at all kathy clinging on to tommy mm-hmm. in the end totally fine yeah yeah See, was, I mean, what? Yeah, it felt right. Yeah, it's it's so beautifully acted. Because it's just like, what do you even do at that point? I mean, you could give them space, but you care about this person, so you don't just want them to be alone, screaming. You want them to f- know that you're there, but he's also like shown that you don't really want to get in his way when he's freaking out because he doesn't really he could strike you. So you just kind she's of she's been hit by him in this in the face. Same sort of moment. So you just kind of sloth your Stakes way onto are him. Only higher. So who knows? He could strangle her. Like, but she wasn't thinking about that at all. No. But she did passively take on, like a carer at a group home, <laughs> a controlling yet safe position, where it's like you are starting to establish some sense of <laughs> control over the situation, but you're not like there's oh, no d- yanking, there's no pulling, there's no totally anything. Totally didn't just... read it that way. I, I, like, that hug is so, like, I am going to cling to you with everything in me. Oh, yeah, and, like, it was that. like, with so much force that we're going to, like, like, we have to, like, yeah. we're almost knocked to the ground. But it was from, like, behind and from the side. It was from, like, such an angle that, like, she wasn't, she definitely wasn't, like, hugging him in a traditional sense. She was more, like, gripping him, which is yeah, fine. Which yeah. is which is the entire essence of the book never let me go oh well yeah when you like, put that away. like that that to me is the what that how i picture that scene in the book is her just clinging on so hard that it's clear that she like she's got his back 100 percent. yeah never she's let like go. i'm not yeah. i am not giving up yeah i loved it it was great i scene. know i have to give up at some point but i'm not giving up yeah yeah it was a beautiful moment i don't know why we didn't talk about that way earlier yeah uh okay so another Worst thing, real quick. Uh, I thought that Madame was like, <laughs> she's a bit of an afterthought, I guess, where it's like, okay, so we see her in that first scene when she like winces through the children. We already talked about this. She did a very good job of that. But then like they took out her scene where she saw uh, Kathy with the baby. And we pretty much just, we don't see her again until like the very end when when she's like with miss emily in her room and even then she says like a couple lines of dialogue tommy hands her the drawings she says some things apparently she has an accent i don't know where she's from i guess I, what's what was her like full name they gave her full Ma- name marie claude marie, oh so it's french yes for sure okay so french accent madame marie claude yeah uh I feel like there's And then she there's passes a... the buck off to like Miss Emily. Like she just doesn't matter as a character, which I get it. I get it. You have to trim some corners, but like she had so much mystique in the book. And in the movie she just like doesn't really matter. I feel like she's applauded or something. Like there's a big announcement in front of all the kids like Madame is here and she's oh. announced there. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, but it's it's really really brief. Yeah, but I get it. I think that was justified. I don't think it was an actual like bad thing. It's just something that I. I thought she did such a good job of like being kind of a false flag of like, oh, this movie's about or this book is about her and kind of discovering who she is. But it's like, no, 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 no. She's just a, she's just one more lens that we get to see the world through, I guess. Um, and she just didn't even get to be that in the movie, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. It's a small change. It's I, I guess talking about it, I'm not actually that worked up about it. She's, I mean, she's an interesting character, and I think yeah. that that. Madame and Miss Emily, they're, they're just, there's something so, so enraging about mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. scene in the book that's more than just like, this is a lot of telling and not showing and really frustrating. Yeah. There's that, that I buy in and, and I, I've tried to make your lives meaningful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but not because I think you're human. Because yeah. I think that it's inhumane to treat you like cattle yeah. and like sacks of flesh that we're going to poach. Yeah. And so we're going to try to give the life on the very limited life on earth that you have a, a, a good run. But I don't actually believe that you should live a full life and that we should undo this thing. Like yeah. that like there's that moment where miss emily says that like i you know you tell the world that that i don't like that yeah we don't you that we have cancer again yeah yeah like, that that to me is a little uh, it, it it's a little spineless compared to the like yeah like we can't do this thing we, we, we can't tell the world that they can't that, that they're gonna have cancer back like no that's just out of the question yeah it's it she because takes she understands how society the actually fact works. that yeah. the donors exist as a, it, it's a foregone conclusion yep. in the book and yeah. we don't see that in the film which was a massive like it's that's the part of the book that riled me up and got me like really on one last episode. And yeah, that's that's and and it was just completely sucked dry. It's so nuanced that I can see that that would be difficult to cast that right because none of her words clearly said like I am entitled to your body. I created yeah. you and I am entitled to it. I did my best to make sure the time that you are on this earth it wasn't worthless and wasn't hopeless. But I'm still entitled to your body, and yeah. I'm not going to change that. But even like, you know, I did my part. I tried to fight against the system. I fought the law, and the law won. Yeah, she she cast herself as a as a noble fighter who lost her drive because she's old. In the book, but in the movie, I don't think she ever really came across as a fighter. She didn't. It didn't feel like they were fighting. They said, yeah, like, like yeah, a we're gathering this stuff fighter. To... Like, yeah. Like at one point, I kind of fought. At one point, I did this thing that was kind of cool, but yeah, it just didn't. It just didn't sell it as well. It just wasn't as good, which is unfortunate. I don't. It's I don't, a very important part of the book to not get right. I don't think it's necessarily the actress's take yeah. on it. I think it's the writing. It was hundred percent the writing, which otherwise was pretty good. So, yeah, there we go. Best changes, worst changes. Uh, never let me go. <laughs> uh, that's great. Are we going to talk any more on this, or are we riding on to the next season? I think uh, we haven't really talked about this. 
I I think we should we should. Are you okay with reading Harry Potter? Yeah, getting out. What's what's the next book? Half Blood Prince. No, it's the Order of the Phoenix. Order no, the... no, I'm sorry. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the fifth book. Uh... It's the Goblet of Fire. Oh, we haven't talked about the Goblet of Fire yet, huh? I this is this is the one that I am I think most eager for you to read. Oh. There's this one and then there's if if we make it there the seventh book. Hmm. The the Deathly Hallows. Okay. Um the other two in the middle, I'm curious to see how you how you like, but this this is this is the one that I was really pushing toward that I I think cool. yeah. I think you'll like it. This is the this is the one. This will do it. And then it's all downhill from there. <laughs> all right. And then well, the tone changes drastically. So yeah. Cool. Well, that's great. Uh we would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this Never Let Me Go movie, which is on Netflix. We should have mentioned that at the top. It's on Netflix. I mentioned it at the end of the last episode. Yeah, you're fine, people. You're fine. Uh, please let us know what you thought. Best changes, worst changes. Did you love it? Did you hate it? Andrew Garfield? A- Andrew Garfield. Uh, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Hallelujah, Andrew Garfield. <laughs> um, and, and let us know if uh, taking a break from Harry Potter worked for you. Yeah, what you yeah. thought of it. We, we haven't really heard a ton of feedback on that, and so I would really appreciate you know, if you read along with us or if you just enjoyed the conversation without reading or yeah. if you'd read the book before and it was sort of a nice revisiting of the story and or uh, if you'd seen the film and you it was a good excuse to get back to it. Yeah. And I will say the whole like monthly release thing, that wasn't that's not like a purposeful format change. We're not trying to like stretch it out that's just kind of the nature of life it's been a tough season for us and so. holidays thanks yeah. for sticking with us thanks for sticking with us but that's not we didn't sit down and be like you know what listeners want fewer episodes <laughs> like not yeah it's not even what i want i want yeah. more i this is good friend friend therapy yeah. book reading all the things so we're right there with you we uh would love book to reading i just book, said that book so. reading Thanks for listening to my eloquent words. Book reading therapy. Make fun of me at Alyssa Small on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, tell at, me. <laughs> or at Clark Hodges on Twitter or at WordstruckPod or uh, at WordstruckPod on <laughs> oh. Instagram <laughs> or WordstruckPodcast at gmail.com. I'm killing it, guys. Man, we're slaying this Killing one. something. <laughs> and we'll catch you guys in the next episode and the next season. Oh, one, two, three. Words. (laughs) 